Okay, so, um, yeah, we've covered quite a lot of ground already, and as you can see, there's a lot to this, and you guys have thrown yourself into it. So, any, anything you would like to ask anyone, or any questions, or, um, Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, um, I think with all of this, there's not really a right or wrong. And maybe so, if we give it back to you as an exploration, Lauren, so, uh, sorry, Lauren's question is, can I, uh, she's sure she's heard me say something about the difference between narrative images and images that are more, what was the word you used? More, yes, staying, staying with something that's not so narrative. Um, and, um, can I say a bit more about it? Yeah. So yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, I have mentioned that pro- probably not for that uh, a while, but so narr- I, I call a narrative image. At first, I wasn't sure about words, and um, I actually spoke to a friend, and he said, "What about these words?" And um, so, narrative image is something that moves in time. It moves from a beginning, from a situation, um, through a, a series of events in time to some kind of resolution or denouement, whatever it is, yeah? Um, so that's a narrative image. And often it stars, guess who? Um, <laughs> and that's part of the problem, okay? Um, uh, in in contrast to that, I, I, I call something an iconic image, which is more eternal. That's, that, that's this element aspect that we talk about, eternality or timelessness. So... But there really isn't, I really want to get away from dogma and give it back to you as an exploration and just see what's the difference in my experience when I entertain narrative images and kind of stories in meditation with all the, you know, sensitivity and compared to an image that just sort of, um, either it doesn't really go anywhere. It's just sort of almost like a, not a still frame, but just a kind of, um, not really a looping video, but just a sort of timeless snapshot of something or a little period of something. Or it's a narrative image, but there's there's really this sense of it's always happening. In other words, the beginning is happening at the same time as the end, and it does not really moving towards some either catastrophic thing or or um or triumph. Yeah. Um sometimes what happens so the the, the reason why is um, with a narrative image that oftentimes it is it stars me and it, it it works in a way to kind of build and solidify the self sense the ego sense and not making it so imaginal not making it so neither real nor not real it tends to get reified be about me and about my life and about what I'm going to achieve and, and that kind of thing not always but tends to be um, and there's a kind of, it happens over time and over space, whereas a, an imaginal image tends to kind of just, just be a bit more, not static, but as I say, eternal, timeless. There's, and, and there's something, it's as if it's, it's condensed or distilled some kind of th- the important thing that has m- 
messages more than could be conveyed in a narrative and 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 more than could be conveyed for a self that makes this journey and then uh does that, does that make sense at least so but again i would give it back to you as an exploration and to open it open it and see and see if you can kind of um feel the difference and the difference in in effect and i, I guess it's really your exploration but my um what you call it, uh, positing or, or is, is that there, there will be a kind of richness and depth and mystery and sort of all these things, the endlessness, the profundity and in the more iconic images, they will touch you deeper and kind of be, be a kind of, uh, unfathomable resource in other ways, even more than just for yourself, you know, and, and give more of a sense of what we call soul, etc. generally speaking. And then, are you going to say something else? You mean they're on a journey and you sort of meet them at different points in, in the, their... Yeah. But, so it's the same character doing different things. But that, that, that sounds fine. Yeah. It's all really fine. It's, again, I would just, as I give it back to you, it's like, what feels soul-making? You know, and it takes a, I know we're kind of explaining it's got this, it's got that, but, but really what we want is your first-hand experience of like, yeah, I reckon, I can feel that difference. I might not be able to articulate it, or maybe you can now with some of the language, but, but I actually, it just has a different sense. And then I, I would, um, wager that, that, you know, you're gonna just gonna prefer that sense to anything, even if it kind of makes you more assertive and more efficient and all that in life, um, you, there's going to be some attraction to the soul-making thing over and above anything it kind of gives you on that practical level. And, and you can just follow that, you know. Um, so, But in terms of those images that you're sort of alluding to, that, that sounds great. You're talking about characters that you're meeting in different situations, and they are imaginal figures to you. They're beings, like you meet people in different situations, um, and and you have different kinds of interactions with them. I'll say one more thing, which is um, sometimes, sometimes an image... Uh, uh, it, it, it's actually not a narrative image, but the mind makes it a narrative image or, or thinks it is. So I'm a bit tired, so I can only think of one example, which I've already put on tape somewhere. Um, I was uh, walking uh, on Dartmoor and uh, near where I used to live, and um, and the earth reached up these tentacles uh, t- towards me with with sort of des- desire to uh, in- towards me. And, um, the, so it was, it was a wonderful image, really beautiful. And, but that was it. That, that, that was a sort of brief snapshot. The mind could, um, kind of, uh, add a bit extra. Like it, it pulls me down to what? To dissolution, to union, to something. But actually it didn't. It was the moment of, of, of reaching, you know. So, um, 
Does that make sense? It's like so I was I was kind of thinking, oh, this is an image about union, but actually it wasn't because it never got to union, and so the image was pre it preserved the tuners. Yeah. So sometimes the mind kind of jumps to a conclusion that's not actually there in the image. Does that? Yeah. Good. I'm just going to prioritize people who who haven't got to ask before, but I can't see. Is that Derek? Yes. Hi, Derek. How does that relate to the concertina? Um, yeah, um, so, so Derek's saying, is what we just talk, talked about related to the idea of the concertina, that, that element? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, the, the sense, I think, the more imaginal, let's say, the more imaginal any image gets, the more kind of, the more this quality of timelessness is apparent, and it becomes almost something, a way we recognize an image. And so all the images in the concertina, it's like they're just there, kind of in the shadows. You, usually you can't even make out what they are. Sometimes they may be related to this, like, person in front of me. I'm looking at my um, friend, uh, my beloved in sensing her with soul, with, with imaginary, and I can kind of sense that there's almost like a selection of images that are available, a kind of like a halo or cloud of available images. But any one of them is always already happening. It's, it's going to be et- eternal. So, for instance, here I am working in this dyad and lo- looking and there's the Eros and I, I sense her as the, cosmic mystical queen whatever and i might be in that in that image i start to get involved as the cosmic mystical king and there's this this dyad there and it's beautiful that's one image but it's always happening and whatever they do uh is always happening and it's almost like you're tapping into something that's always hap- always happening but in relation to her as an object in this in this example, or it could be a tree or whatever. There could have been other images, and these are these are what's waiting in the concertina. But they will probably also have this sense of always already happening. It's as if you're, yes, tapping into some some kind of more eternal level of things. Do, does that make sense? Does that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lots of other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Great. Sassy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, 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 a bit like 
Yeah, sure. So I, I just translate that for people. So as, as he's asking on the last retreat, you mean the Cole Hayes one? Right? Yeah, on the last retreat, um, there was an image that came and it was the most profound experience of your life. Yeah. Okay. So that's lovely. Um, and really powerful and kind of atomic bomb, all the notes, all the elements going off and, and, uh, and tremendous opening. And then since then, nothing has quite lived up, lived up to that sort of, um, kind of technicolor, uh, extravaganza experience. Um, and so there's a bit of sort of disappointment and comparison and a bit of craving, wanting that kind of intensity of opening again and what, what to do with that. So, you know, um, this is, this is actually, I think, really important. So two things. One is, um, an image is autonomous. It's, it's like, it's like you're in relationship with a being. It's, it's really helpful to think of it. This is another being that I'm in relationship with. And imagine if we were, or you and someone else were, were, you know, close friends or lovers or whatever it was. And, you know, you, you were this, you just had this amazing experience. Then you, you kept, you know, putting pressure on them to do, to do that. Um, or you ended up ignoring your other friends or, or you know, um, uh, people do that kind of thing, you know, but, uh, you, so there's, there's, it really, in a way it serves, it serves us really well to think these are autonomous beings deserving of respect in a, in a way you can, we talk about dependent rising. Another way you can think of it is, yeah, if you treat them a certain way, you get a certain result, you know, um, so there's this intensity, um, Wonderful. It might have been what you needed at the time or what soul needed at the time, but that might not be the case anymore. And further deepening, further opening, further refining and nuancing and widening and all that may not come through intensity. And this is a general thing about practice anyway. So sometimes we get really impressed by intensity and it's not always what affects the most, um, profound transformation or opening or learning it sometimes it is but often it isn't it's just intense and and then we seek out that as a measure of some of some significance and it, it's not necessarily at all so you know that's where w- wisdom needs to come in second thing there's a there's a relationship here between um jhanic experience a kind of mystical experience in general and imaginal experience that if Oftentimes, if a person is, let's say, practicing jhana practice and deep, deep samadhi, not always, but oftentimes, the first few times they they break through to a new state, let's say this jhana or whatever that's new for them, it's just a you know amazing sort of it just, it's like a dam breaking, you know, and and the experience is it feels completely effortless and totally mind blowing and everything, and that might happen a few times, and then then it's like then the work begins. Okay, like in maybe in a relationship where you fall in love and it's all like great, wonderful, and then you know after a few months, <laughs> then the work begins, or or not, you know, um, and and so that's where the the real depth can can come in. What in the jhanic experience, what what happens then is you you start it stops the feeling completely effortless. It starts getting much more. You start noticing really subtle differences and subtle ways that you can shape the experience, and and that's where the learning and the kind of relating comes in. It's similar with with image, and again, um, 
it's worth just thinking about this autonomy and personhood, and sometimes even further, this is bigger than me. Therefore, am I subjecting it to my kind of ego demands, you know? Um, and if I do, it will have an effect, you know? Um, not to say that if I don't, then maybe you will get the intensity back, but it's more like it's just there's something, a, 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 a way, an, a conception to entertain, to play with is, this is bigger than me. It has more than I can understand. It's uh, a grace and a mystery. I will never get my head around it. And how would you relate to such a thing? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to try and make it serve whatever ends, you know, small ends I, I have. Does, does that make sense? Um, and in in the larger scope of things, you know, you're, um, you're going to, open and learn and grow and change and in through all kinds of, you know through intensity through one image repeated through lots of little one-off images through, through all of that you know does that how does that sound um put well put put it put down that but pick up um a more um what would be the right word to describe the kind of Instead of just putting that down, a, another way of entering into relationship with not just that image, but all images. Um, and, and there is in there, I think, for all of, it's very easy to have this kind of, um, mis, uh, misunderstanding about intensity. Intensity and, and what the, you know, sometimes people are afraid of intensity. I don't think you are, but, um, but <laughs> some people, um, you know, then they need to say, can you, can you bear a little more intensity? Can you bear a little more energy? But to make the mistake to equate intensity with liberation or transformational experience or, or, you know, that, that's, needs some questioning, I think. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Yeah. Chris, yes, please. <clears throat> What was it again? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, um, thank you. So th- this was before we even mentioned the pilgrimage thing. Oh, that's interesting as well, isn't it? Um, so Chris is sharing that j- just very briefly, this image of three pilgrims uh, yesterday popped into, into consciousness and there was a kind of halo around them and, um, carrying shepherd staffs with the, with the sort of hook, which the mind thought that's a bit hackneyed. That's a bit sort of cliche. Um, 
but wasn't quite sure what to do with it because then they went away. Should I engage? Should I follow them? Should I, what should I do? And, and is, is this just my ego? So, yeah. So, um, I think, uh, I mean, if there's a few things that one is, um, you know, don't even want to use the word mistakes, but it's like we've got to, I think we've got to be free enough to just try stuff and see how it feels. Like, like I said with Lauren, you know, so, um, if some of the examples I gave, you, you hear me saying, oh, then I actually, maybe not this retreat, but then I tried this. No, that didn't, that felt like that didn't really help. That wasn't right. So I revert and, or the image changes. I try this and it doesn't work. So it's okay to kind of feel like, oh, that wasn't quite the right thing, you know. Or I'm putting too much pressure on it or, or, or something. Um, you know, the other, so, so I think you've got, you got to feel free to kind of, uh, just see what happens, play and see what happens. Yeah. Um, uh, some of you may not feel this at this point, but, um, the, you know, there's a kind of, sort of saying to someone, I can't remember, soul, there's a kind of super abundance of images. There's, there's, um, uh, you know, if you don't kind of say, oh, well, I missed it with that one, it, it's okay, you know. Um, on the other hand, maybe bringing it back deliberately and just hanging out and seeing what resonates with you, you know. Um, maybe walking with them, maybe just, you know, w- whatever it is. Um, and, and you can find your way back more uh, deliberately to that and just try and see what happens, you know. But I don't think there's a, a kind of right and wrong. So I think there's one of the things I'd really like to communicate on this retreat, you know, but, uh, it's like the, yes, the willingness to experiment without a sense of right and wrong and just see what happens. Yeah. Um, I think, but the key word there for me is experiment, which implies doing a range of things. So sometimes what happens is we've all, a person might, show up and I've, I've been working with images for ages it's what i do but there's actually a fairly fixed way of relating to them and there isn't that experimentation there there's different images etc but how they relate to them is quite uh, fixed does that make sense um yeah but, yeah but the yeah. Um, so, so this is the thing. Don't be afraid. I don't even want to call them mistakes. Don't be afraid to just try different things and you'll, you'll get a feel for, um, kind of what feels more soul making, you know, and if it's like we learn by, by what in comparison to what doesn't. So in a way, maybe you have to go on a narrative and then make them do stuff and push them around and then kind of realize mm, it doesn't feel so, you know, um, on the other hand, and like we said, in some exchanges, it's not, as a rule, the fact that me making stuff happens, me, me making stuff happen means it's not going to be soul making. It might be. So I don't, it's not like, you know, anything can happen, but my, I'm going in there with a sense of like, well, well, let's see, let's play a little bit and let's kind of use my intuition uh, as to what, what might feel soul making. And then it's interesting, you know, the fact that you had that image and then Catherine uh, introduced that thing last night and several people have said that, you know, this sort of have an image and then the world seems to sort of do something very similar. Um, great. <laughs> and that, you know, that opens up all kinds of questions. Um, 
which is which is beautiful. And I'm not going to say much more about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Does that is that okay? For, yeah. Okay. Good. Yes. Is it Gladys? Yeah. So, just tell me what the that is that you'd like me to say something about the about eros, about eros and inspiration. Okay. Okay, so if you're, if I say, no, 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 it's not, it's not that. It might help you redirect your question or re, so, um, let me think. Um, they're definitely connected. There's, there's no question. Um, we haven't talked a lot actually about Eros on this retreat. We have in the past and other retreats and, um, we could, you know, talk endlessly about Eros and, and the beauty and, the, and what it does. Um, but Eros, you know, uh, by, Definition is, is a kind of alive state. It's a, it's a state of ignition and, um, awakeness and interest and fire, illumination, all, all that. So that, all those qualities go with a state of inspiration, right? That, so there's, there's just, um, those, those parallels. But I think more than that, a state of inspiration or artistic inspiration has eros in it. You know, there's a sense, um, I mean, I'll say this from, from my experience artistically, and if it doesn't fit yours, that's, you know, but see, um, when you're inspired with something, you're kind of in love with this thing that you're doing. Someone asked Stravinsky, you know, very prolific composer, and near the end of his life, what's your favorite piece that you've written? He said, the one I'm writing right now. Um, in other words, it, it's part of the creative project to have eros about this thing. It's like, it's this, it's got this mystery and this, this, uh, uh, attraction for us. Yeah. You understand? And, um, I would say, and, and we haven't, we've mentioned this, but not so fully that when there is eros for other, in, whether it's be a, a piece of visual art or whatever it is, or, or an object in nature or an internal image, if we don't get in the way, at some point, the self becomes imaginal as well. And so the artist at work or the meditator inspired has an image going on, a fantasy of themselves doing the work, doing the practice, dedicating themselves. Do you understand? To some people that sounds like ego or that sounds like, well, I'm not concentrating on the thing because I should be lost in the object. 
No, there's actually this. This is what happens with. We may talk more about this on the retreat. Um, the eros spreads, and actually, and you notice when you're really inspired, right, then you go for a walk or whatever. And how does the world seem? You know, it the 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 eros, the soul making, will spread. Self, other world, everything. So everything gets kind of. Uh, becomes imaginal and becomes an object of eros, uh, uh, infused with eros. So then I, as the image of the artist painting or whatever it is, I become an object of eros for myself. That I become image for myself. And, and this to me is a- absolutely beautiful. I, um, so all that goes on in inspiration. It's inspiration, I think, is full of, full of eros. Um, and we haven't lingered on it too much, but there's, um, there's a, there's a, Catherine talked about it, but the, this, this idea of the eros psyche logos dynamic and how it works together, but that we can get in the way of that in, in many different ways and stop it doing its thing. So sometimes what happens is we stop it coming back to ourselves. We, st- and Catherine mentioned this, we stop, uh, we, we, the other is divine and imaginal and we're not, for instance. And that's kind of lopsiding the whole process and, and it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't move so well. Um, it doesn't, uh, deepen and, and grow so well. Yeah. Um, so we can talk, so there's all that. And then we can talk about Eros as a, you know, in terms of fire analogies, also water analogies. It's a very juicy state, you know. Um, and, and, uh, you'll feel that in the experience as well. But I'm not sure if this is what you're after. Um, okay. Good. So is there more there or? Yeah, where is it? Where is it going to stop? It, right. Yeah. So, um, the question is, where is it going to stop? Is it is it a question of curiosity, or is there concern, or is it not really a question? It's just, yeah, okay. So, but that's that's in in the conceptual framework that we have. That's a central principle that if we don't get in the way it won't stop. What does that mean, it won't stop? It means, similar to what I just said, okay, I start something, some whatever thing it is, piece of art that I'm doing, or someone else's piece of art, or a tree, or a person, or an internal image, is an object of image. It might start there. It could start with the world, though. It, you know, it could start at any, any place. And then that becomes erotic, imaginal other for me. And in the, in, in the, in the, um, process, in, in the, in the, I don't know what you call it, the, the, the movement, the involvement, the dance of Eros Psyche Logos, it starts to involve me, me as I just explained, and then the world, and then other objects, and then even aspects of me. So then it's like, then even, for instance, my Eros becomes, not just me, but aspects of me, like for instance, my Eros becomes an erotic imaginal object for me. My Eros is seen and felt imaginally, and with all that, it starts to have dimensionality and divinity. My Eros, is it mine, or is it God's, or the Buddha nature's, or whatever? So all, there's something, uh, it will keep finding new faces of belovedness, and new aspects, and new complications, and new folds in the, in whatever it is. And yeah, if we don't get in the way, it won't stop. So there's an endlessness that's possible here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, that's lovely. I can't quite. S- Is it Maisie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially to Maisie, I mean, 
Yeah, thank you. That's really important. It's amazing saying, particularly towards the end of the day, um, there's a mind just sort of whirring up images, lots of images, very quickly, one after the other, and none of them seem particularly deep or or anything. They're sort of interesting at a certain level, but not particularly soul-making or interesting. Yeah. Um, To me, that sounds like a particular tired a particular type of mental tiredness which I, I also get so some people when they get tired everything just kind of stops in their mind and other people when they get tired it gets a bit faster this kind of thing um, so it sounds a little bit like that towards the end of the day etc it might be um, then there's a time to kind of let go of those images and come back to body and something much more simple and nourishing. And, and your mind might still wander, it's a bit tired, and just see if you can work with that kind of gathering the, the energy rather than trying to figure out you now which one of these images and why aren't they meaningful and that sort of thing. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, yeah, sometimes you get a sense, despite what I said about doubt and everything, sometimes you get a sense that this is, this, this thing or that thing is not really worth um, particularly following that's just sort of flotsam and jetsam of the mind that's floating around because of tiredness. Yeah. Yeah, good. Is that, is that Nicole? I can't, yeah. So, if I understand it, uh, Nicole's asking that there's a lot of eros that's very comfortable and lovely and, and all that. Um, and the question is about eros in regard to long-term projects, which there's a sort of personality inclination to want to commit to and to stay with, uh, or long-term relationships or whatever. And is there something to be said about eros in relation to long-term projects? Yeah. 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 Um, so, I think I think there's something again about including the dukkha. You know. Um, so, again, so I'm tired tonight, so I can't really think of examples. But you gave an example of me writing my book, and and. Um, you know, several aspects became image there. Again, the book itself became image at a certain point. And, um, 
and then the, the writing of the book, including the difficulty of it and the sort of isolation and things like that. And um, it might be that, you know, you're not looking for something that doesn't have dukkha in it, you know, and doesn't have the kind of the image of the per, the one who perseveres, the one who trudges endlessly through deserts or, or whatever it is, the one who shows up no matter what. All this can become image and, and part of, you know, image and the way we're using it, imaginal image and eros, they, they kind of imply each other. Where there's eros, if it's left to do its thing, images are born and get deeper and get more varied. And images by their nature, um, elicit eros, evoke eros. And so the whole thing starts mutually inseminating. Um, but it might be that there are images of the, whatever they are for you, for this long-term dedication, this willingness to be there when it's dry and when it has a cost and when you'd rather be doing something else. You know, that all can become image. It might be an image that's other or it might be you as image or mixtures of, of all that. Um, and, and so that's one thing. And the other thing that's a little harder to articulate is that, um, you know, you can't have images all the time. That, that, that's part, for me, that's part of the grace aspect. So that we feel we're given an image or we have access to something and then it goes. If it was there all the time, it might just get a bit ordinary, you see. So that, um, we can, it's as if, um, let, let's say, taken as an image of the long-term sort of commitment is, is someone who just, he's got to trudge, she has got to trudge through this desert to get to wherever, and they just need to walk. Um, but there are little oases on the way, you know, and sometimes the connecting with an image is like, is like hitting an oasis for, for a while. It kind of can hold you, uh, more, you know, it's not going to be all the time necessarily. Does that, does that make sense? Is there a piece missing? Are you sure? Um, it's the question is, when we love something, is there always an un- image underpinning it? Um, it depends on how you mean the always. So I would say yes. When we really love something and we're devoted to it, maybe those two words, love and devotion, there's an image there. And I think that's part of, um, there's an image operating and driving that. You could say the drive for it is coming from the image as opposed to a result of the love. You know, that's a certain way of looking at it. I would say to realize that is a certain level of just psychological awareness. It's not an awareness that everybody has or the, or the society kind of uh, realizes or whatever. I would say that. However, that, so that's the always in that sense. There, In every instance there is. However, at times we lose contact with an image. 
And then there's just the, the dryness and the slog or, or whatever it is. And that's where these oases businesses come in. Yeah. And you know, it can, that can, that can even form another level of image. You know, it's a, again, if you go back to the timelessness, it's like, look at your life, uh, from beyond death. You look back at the totality of your life and these periods of long dedication with periods of aridness and periods of inspiration and periods of non-inspiration and the willingness to continue in the periods of non-inspiration. Do you get what I'm saying? That can become image. It's, it's like a different vantage point on, on the, the aridity. Aridity, aridness, whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so that, that's also connected to this time thing. Um, and actually that, that just a, as a general point, that's a, that's a, sometimes a really skillful thing to do is, is come out of your life and look at the totality from after death, so to speak. And you see, you see the totality of your life. And, and it can become image. You become, again, you become image for yourself. Your life becomes image, becomes pilgrimage, becomes, you know, image of devotion, etc. Hopefully, depending on how we live and all that. Yeah. Oh, I can't see. Is that Maywa? Okay. <laughs> So if I try and understand, um, other retreats where there's a lot of intensity to the, to the whole process and the images and things, and this retreat less intense, but perhaps more subtle and more getting more nuance. And, and then when Catherine did, um, these seven steps exercise, um, was it that lots of different images were coming out very rapidly? No.
Okay. I missed the last bit. Another Logos one. Yeah, yeah. So, if I understand, May, um, following Catherine's instructions this morning and what we played with there, um, they felt the sense of, of, of trying that with different images and a sort of, um, losing the sense of grace and the sense of replacing that with a sense of, oh, there's a kind of automatic process here that I can sort of do. And that lost the sense of beauty and specialness and mystery and grace. Is that? Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, I mean, a couple of things. One is, um, one is, uh, Catherine and I were just talking briefly after the thing that it, it's not really a formula, um, so much as just, um, is, isn't it interesting almost, uh, how about this? It's like the beauty, can you see the beauty in not, not necessarily that series of steps as in each, let's say each of those seven to me had a kind of beauty in it. So, for instance, the one that really struck me this morning was this asking or saying sorry. Um, that really touched me. And, um, you know, and saying sorry on behalf of the human species and or certain cultures and things and, um, and myself. And, um, uh, so rather than a series of step by steps in one, two, three, seven, ignition, takeoff kind of thing, um, it's, it, it may be more, these, these are, some of the ways that we can learn about this practice and also learn something about the mystery of participation, mystery of participation in the imaginal, um, that then it's possible that then my humility and my, um, willingness to say sorry, for example, in that example, that itself again becomes image. Rather than a technique, it becomes, it can become image. And you're, again, you're, yourself as soul-making practitioner can become image. So it's not so much a technique of mastery as um, a mystery of initiation which in which there is some art and some grace, but you become image as well. And your participation in something uh, utterly mysterious, you know, the levels of those participation, uh, of, that, of what participation means, can become image. Does that resonate at all? Does that satisfy? <laughs> yeah. So I think I think the thing about everything potentially becoming image, you said, yeah, that is where we're going, but not as art. It's almost like just the wonder of rec- or recognizing the wonder of that—that that everything can become image. Um, and then, yeah, within that, you can become image. You as practitioner, or you as even participator. This business about participation, the last node, and I didn't say it's the most mysterious of the nodes, I think, of the elements. What does that, it's like the, 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 the meaning of the profundity of, of our participation in reality or truth or perception or what things are and what opens up. And that itself can, can, be, can become soul making, sensing that and feeling into that. 
which is very different than now I've got a set of techniques and, and tricks to sort of switch things on. It's a different level of things. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to check how we're doing. Uh, it's a hard question. Well, I'm tired, but I, not in a sense that I can't go on. It's more in a sense I, I recognize I'm not quite so with it as I usually feel I am. But um, I'm okay with that if you're okay with that. Um, that's all. It doesn't feel like I'm, I sort of can't continue. So should we do a few more? Say the first one again. Yeah, so... Okay, so... Um, so Matt's question is, you, I've been using, we've been using the word image in different senses, a lot of different senses actually, and, you know, not taking that much care with it. So... Um, one is um, image in the usual sense, like I just talked about tentacles coming out of the earth. And another is um, the sense that Matt's talking about is something becoming image. And what does that mean? Yeah. Um, so for something to become image means, and you, some, many of you will have had this experience. So um, you arrived at Gaia House and something here was just a something here. And at some point, it starts to become, uh, we can say, perceived imaginally, sensed with soul. It has beauty, dimensionality, some kind of mis- mysterious depth, etc., all, all that. And that could be a person. Um, so someone, you know, they're just a person, and then you start... <coughs> Uh, they start becoming an image for you, meaning they start to have this, there's eros towards them, not necessarily sexual at all. Um, they, you, there's a profound beauty and mystery and unfathomability, uh, all, all the rest of it. Um, so rather than just a person, um, who I like or I don't like or whatever it is or just functional, um, that, that person becomes image for, they mean something that I can never quite sum up what they mean to me and what they the resonances in my soul and the beauty and and all that does it yeah um okay good it looks at comes up instead of like when I'm you know thinking that it should be some dark thing 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, but that's the image that comes that just kind of comes to you that will give you this profound sort of feeling or strike you or something. Yeah. So um, Roxanne's asking. Sometimes she wants a certain kind of image, and what comes is a very different kind of image. Um, so, for instance, want feeling. Uh, sad or something like that and wanting a kind of dark image that seems to somehow would be would think you would think is appropriate um or reflective and what comes is something very kind of beautiful instead um again but it sounds like that's what elicited and opened the soul making is the image that you got rather than the image that you thought you wanted is that so Is there a problem here? I mean, uh, (laughs) you know, in in our logos, the images are autonomous. They're they're like people. They they and and they're they have an intelligence and a sensibility and a care. You know, all of which sounds like it's reflect. So to be surprised, I think, is part of the part of the um, territory. Yeah. Um, so uh, it sounds great. I think in different ways, people people will be surprised. Yeah, and and recognizing the autonomy. This is why we, we make that an element. Recognizing the autonomy of the image. Look, if it was just kind of um, I could make everything do what I think I want everything to do, it wouldn't be very fulfilling or rich or you know. Um, in, in relation to the first thing you said about feeling, was it sad? I can't remember the word you said. Or grief. Okay. Yeah. Grief and heartbreak. So, um, and then the image that arises is beautiful. But if we go back to what we said with Gladys, I can also become image in relation to the image that arises for me. So I am heartbroken and the, and a beautiful image might then touch my heartbreak. You know, so the, the, then the whole thing is is the image rather than just that. You understand? The, and uh, so you can begin to feel actually what the image is is that beauty in relationship to your heartbreak, in in contact with, and the whole thing is image. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so uh yeah again not not thinking oh that doesn't seem right it's the it's the two yeah it's great okay maybe one last one Sometimes that image might be more, more like a part of me rather than something that totally is different from me. Yeah. And I suppose it also then, it also always feels very personal. And I read also that there was this question about what you said before about um, the images or the sense of um, me. Yes, it's fine. It's always been there. I guess that's the thing. It's always been there. And yet, it's a reason so if I understand so there's two questions that Margaret's asking I'm trying to clarify um, <clears throat> there's a sense in which an image feels autonomous and yet it also seems like it's part of me um, that's, that's one and the other is that talk about images being timeless but I can also see that they arise from a personal experience yeah so um, all these are true Okay, so an image is me and not me. And, and, and that particular sense of it being me and not me is, is more characteristic of images than it is me or it isn't me. There's some kind of, it, it, it's me and not me. So that, that's exactly right. Um, I think when we say autonomy, it's, it's almost like you can sometimes just lean on that one a little bit to grant it more, to stop it collapsing and being just, just me. But it's never to the point where it feels like this has nothing to do with me. I don't know. Um, I mean, so actually, sometimes there is that sense, but usually that's where the infinite echoing and mirroring comes in. Usually there's some sense that this image, strange as it might seem, in some ways, mysterious, infinite ways, kind of echoes in my life and my life, echo- my life echoes the image and the image echoes my life and they, they mirror each other. So it's sort of like subtle leanings. Like I said, some of the, some of the elements in this lattice, in this constellation, they feel like they kind of say the same things in different words or overlap. And some of them feel a bit contradictory, you know. So do, does that make sense? Um, and then, and, and similar with the timeless and the reflecting, you know, u- usual modern psychology is an image arises because it's reflecting something that has happened in, in the past. I think what's really 
potentially really exciting and a, a beautiful thing to play with is what happens if we turn that upside down? My life is a reflection of image. That you turn, so the causality is so, we're so used to thinking of causality in a certain way. It comes out of this scientific way of thinking. So the past causes the present. And something that happened um, externally will cause an internal um, image to arise. What if we just play with that? There's this another Greek word called telos. It means the, the cause comes from the end. So this, um, if you like, the angel out ahead or, or something, if you like, the future causes the past. And we can uh, say, blah, 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 what's all that? Um, but what if we can just play like with that as a poetic idea and see what happens so that my life is an expression of certain images. Certain things happen to me. Certain uh, choices are made. Certain things are expressed because I am expressing certain images. I am I could say more than that, I am called on to express certain images. It's a, now, if I say, that's the truth, and, uh, you know, then that's, maybe that's a little too tight, but this is, you can play with kind of turning things upside down. Do you, you understand? Um, and I would say, if, if you can play with that, it's quite a different sense of things, and something very beautiful opens up. And we can keep the other one too, and go back go back to the traditional, you know, or more common way of thinking about causality. Yeah, this arises because of the cause in the past, etc. Is this making sense to people? Yeah. Um, and of course, in da- traditional Dharma understanding involves an understanding of causality in the present. My my relationship with makes something right now in, in the present. So, you know, causality is really interesting. Most Most of us, it's really, really hard to shift our concepts of causality from this kind of the past and the external events, for instance, the events of my childhood caused this. Um, and it's not saying they didn't or whatever, but it, it's just saying there can be a, a tremendous liberation, a tremendous healing, and a tremendous soul adventure to sometimes play with just turning that on its head and, 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 and just play with that as a concept and see what that idea, just very lightly, you just play what that does to my sen- to my imaginal sense, to my sense of existence, to my sense of what this life is, to my sense of, um, for instance, what Nicole asked about, you know, dedication to something, all of that. Um, I can I can see uh, my life is caused by the the it, it has divine roots. It grows from the divine, the images of the divine, the gods, the deities, the demons, and it. They express through me. They want some, something through me. Doesn't it? To play with. Can I ask another question? Sh- sure. So the question is, every time you've had an image, you become part, somehow you enter the image. Um, yeah, so that you, you imagine a lover yeah. relating to me, and the image is not necessarily related to me, so that you're... Um, there's, an image, there's an image of you in, in, the, in the whole... Yeah, so... Um, is that right? Yeah, all kinds of things can happen in terms of the self-sense. So it could be 
just to delineate a few, it could be exactly what you're saying. So here's this imaginal other, and then I get an, an imaginal me interacting with the imaginal other. One possibility, fine, um, beautiful. Or that Im- image is relating to me sitting here, you know, as as me. Um, or, as someone was reporting earlier, um, it's just that image. There's no, there's no me, and that, that image is just doing their own thing, in their own world, doing their own thing. And that's where, where it's a bit more subtle. It's like, what's this got to do with me? And sometimes it's just not that apparent, you know. And sometimes those are oftentimes the most inexplicable, kind of inexplicably beautiful images as well. And this is where this infinite echoing and mirroring, it does have something to do with me. Again, it's me and not me. And in some mysterious ways, that image is refracted into my life, and my life echoes that image, etc. Um, so that's a possibility. Um... All, all kinds of possibilities. Yeah. So I don't think there's a fixed, there's a fixed way that that happens. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um, let's, let's have a bit of quiet together to finish. <laughs>